Welcome to the Scalable Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we discuss the most scalable strategies, tools, and approaches to successfully invest in real estate. Learn how to make the most impact of your time, automate your real estate investing business, find off-market deals with minimum time invested, and leverage your capital to create as many income streams as possible so that you can achieve true financial independence. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Mason Clement. Hi, Scalable Investors. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to tell you about a group that I'm a part of called Hivemind. If you're serious about taking the next step in your real estate investing career, then this is definitely a group that you need to join. Some of our members are making $90,000 or more per month and as much as $300,000 on just one deal. And at the same time, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars like you typically would joining other mastermind groups. This is only $99 per month. And when you join, you'll gain access to a robust integrated CRM software that allows you to track your leads, run automated triggers, and ultimately scale your marketing efforts. So the difference here is that you're not left high and dry, but gain access to a support network that allows you to use that tool and learn from other more experienced real estate investors. So to learn more, go to scalablerei.com slash hivemind. That's H-I-V-E-M-I-N-D. Thanks a lot. Let's get into the episode. Hi, Scalable Investors. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Scalable Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Mason Clement. And today we have with us Alicia Jarrett out of Australia. So very much different time zone, but glad that she's joining us today. She is actually an active land investor, but also the co-founder of several other companies such as Supercharged Offers, Land Scouts, and Women in Business. So I don't want to steal her thunder too much. I think we should just jump into things. Alicia, how are you doing? Mason, it's so good to be here. And yes, I am calling you from the future. So <laughs> thanks for having me. Sure. No problem. So for all my guests, I like to just jump into the background a little bit in case our listeners aren't familiar with the guest. Why don't you just tell us a little bit more about how you got involved in real estate and land specifically? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so we have been doing business in the US now for just over just over four years. And um, it was uh, it was a, a labor of love to begin with when we started out doing some fix and flips with houses. And yes, we did that all the way from Australia. So for your listeners uh, tuning into to this episode as well, Mason, I think one thing that we'll reinforce today for them is that you can do this business from literally anywhere in the world because I often hear people going, well, I'm, I'm in the next state and that's difficult. It's like, yeah, 14 hours time difference. If we can do it, you can do it. But we started off, Mason, uh, as I said, over four years ago doing some fix and flips with some houses, mainly in Florida. Um, and when we started to see a little bit of a shift in the market, so about two and a half to three years ago now, we'd done a, a few houses and, and had some great success there. We saw that a couple of things were happening, that getting a really good off-market property was becoming a lot harder because so many people were doing wholesaling with houses and fix and flipping with houses. And because there were so many people doing it, getting a good contract team was also super hard as well. So we kind of saw that shift happen and we thought, okay, this is a sign. And I think sometimes when the market does shift in different directions, you've got to be willing to shift with it. So at that stage, we we kind of paused and, and came back to our strategy and said, okay, well, what other asset classes can we look at? And after doing some research, we came across land. So we went and did some more training, as everybody does when they're real estate investors, they jump in and do some training. We went and did some training and uh, and started our land business. And the rest is history, as they say. We're now doing quite a few deals every month and I've got a big team in place and uh, that has actually enabled us to launch some separate businesses, some of which you you mentioned before. So 
Yeah. Land is where it's at, Mason. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Um, I think everyone always fears that it's going to be, it's what's going to happen to land is what's already happened to single family. We're just too many folks getting in, but I feel like there's also like a, a net numbers, obviously always going to be people getting in, but also people getting out. It's too hard or it's too much work or whatever. So. Yep. Yeah. And here's, here's the stat Mason, I think to keep in mind here for those listening, you know, a lot of people will go out there and do real estate education courses um, on how to do a whole bunch of different types of asset classes. The statistic is only 5% of them ever make it and do anything. So I think you see a lot of people in groups that are, you know, actively asking questions and starting their businesses. And we certainly help a lot of them out in what we do as well. But a lot of them, as you as you, said, you rightly said, a lot of them don't continue. So the ones out there that are doing it as a true business and not as a hobby, there's actually not that many of them when you consider that there's 350 million people in, in the States and millions and millions and millions of pieces of land uh, that, that are still out there for the taking. So I think there's enough deals out there for all of us. Yeah, I agree. And and honestly, I've, I've been in areas where the market, the price point for different lots is different, just literally across the water, across the lake. So yep. I mean, <laughs> you might be involved in that north side of the lake and I'm on the south side and, you know, you have different. Totally realtors, different. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we call that the train track rule. It's almost like you've got to imagine where there might be a train track or a highway or a lake and either side of it can be totally different markets and how well you get to know that market is, is what makes you business. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Actually, it reminds me, I used to live in Austin, Texas, and I went to college there, UT, and uh, <laughs> um, I-35 really divided, it still divides the city, but um, East Austin was a little bit more rough area, and it's actually like a an up-and-coming area now, but um, so it's you can't quite say the same, but... Yeah, the highway rule, there it is. Yeah, <laughs> highway and railroads, same exact thing. So, um, so I... I personally listened to a few other podcasts that you were guest on. And I feel like one thing that people maybe scratch the surface on, but I wanted to dig deeper into was just how exactly you set up your team uh, before going back over, like how long were you here in the States or how often do you come to the States? But um, yeah, you know, when you first set up things, how did that work out? Yeah, yeah. Good question. So when we first set it up, it was just my partner, Matt, and myself. We were learning the business inside out, upside down. We were the ones getting the deals ready, getting on the phone to sellers, advertising, getting on the phone to buyers. It was just us. So how we did it was a lot of early mornings and a lot of uh, hours to to make up for the time difference. Um, and we had a, a joint venture partner on the ground in uh, in Florida where we do our deals, which is a realtor who's on our team. So he was helping us out with some local insights as we were kind of developing and growing as well. But then it gets to a tipping point. And I think that tipping point came when we said, you know, enough of doing this as a hobbyist. So for, uh, for me, a hobbyist is someone that wants to do one or two deals a month. Great. No problems. There's lots of awesome people out there that are doing that many and fantastic. But we said, no, we actually want to treat this as a real business. We want to be doing 10 deals a month. And then within six months after that, we want to be aiming for like 20 deals a month. And we want our pipeline to consistently then have that much in it. At that point in time, Mason, we then had to really sit back and and go back to our strategy and really look at from a strategy perspective, what's our marketing strategy to achieve those numbers. So always reverse engineering the numbers to know what you've got to market to, to meet that pipeline. 
And then based upon that, reverse engineering, well, how many comps do we think that's going to be? How many calls do we think that's going to be? How many sellers are we going to be nurturing? How many buyers are we going to be nurturing? And from there, that led us to put our customer service team in place. So we've actually had a customer service team in place. We've got four dedicated people in our team for our land business, and then we've got other resources for our other businesses as well. Um, and that team is purely dedicated to now answering seller and buyer queries, both email leads, uh, phone leads, you name it. Um, and they work US hours. So that's enabled us to sleep a little bit longer. <laughs> um, but now we've got it to the point, Mason, that with the team in place, uh, I only ever get on the phone with sellers and buyers. I probably speak to sellers and buyers maybe twice a week, if that. I'm talking like minimum because we've we've got the team to the point that we've really trained them up on how to do things, how we want things done, but also given them the accountability um, boundaries, if you like, around, hey, here's where you can make decisions between here and here. Anything outside of that, come to me and I'll, I'll make the final decision. But really giving our team the opportunity to almost like, you know, treat the business like it's their own. And that has helped immensely in easing the workload for us, um, but, you know, building confidence and capability in our team as well. So, so we've had a team in place now for coming on two years, which has been great. But here was the, the other thing that I think is important for your listeners to take into account here, Mason. We didn't put that team in place until we knew everything about this business and how we wanted it to run. I think I see a lot of people out there that throw resources at things um, to, and they go, well, that's, you know, I need to automate my business by throwing resources at it. That's actually not automating your business. That's just throwing resources at a task. <laughs> so, um, and I think sometimes unless you know what good looks like for that task, like how you want your outcomes to run in your business, then it's hard to put resources on it because you can't measure success. So being really clear on those things before you throw resources is, uh, is what we needed to get clear on before we, we grew our team. And is that like getting started to quantify, like you need to contact this many people and to put at the top of the funnel and all that to go through? Or? Yeah, it, it's all of that. So quantifying, you know, what does good look like when it comes to negotiating with our sellers? How many, um, if we've got people that are wanting to negotiate on offers, what's our conversion rate that we're looking for there? How often do we want people to be called back and within what time frame? Um, how quickly when we get a property under contract, how quickly do we want that property done with due diligence, ads, and up and running? Um, so putting, you know, KPIs in place for all of that so that we can measure the effectiveness of our business. Otherwise, quite quickly, you can you can find yourself in a place where you've got, you know, 100 deals in the pipeline, but no one's managing them and no one's looking out for them and no one's running comps on them. So really driving an outcomes-based business is uh, is what we needed to think about, first of all. Okay. Yeah. I think that's kind of the point where I'm at with my business is I, I have yeah. a handful of VAs and I, I have a general idea of what I want them to be doing. I mean, in terms of KPIs and stuff, but I think there's an, it's tough to like find time to, to operate in the business, but then also work on the business and train them and make sure it's all clear. So. Yep. Yeah, so we have um, we dedicate about 10% of our, um, we, we actually call them our customer service team. They're not VAs to us because they're part of our business. Um, but uh, we dedicate about 10% of their time to training. Every week, every month, they have time to go and research, to go and find out things. I'll find out stuff and I'll be like, guys, go and research this and come back to me with like your top three learnings and how you're going to implement that. 
Every day we have a call with them for half an hour where all of those escalation points uh, we talk through, um, I give them direction. And I think the secondary to that, Mason, what is hugely important in this business is making sure you've got the right systems that support how you want to work. So for one of the critical things for us in that was deciding what kind of CRM we wanted to go to that would enable us to run our business in the way that we wanted. Uh, and I think that's pretty critical as well. There's a lot of people out there trying to run their businesses on Google Sheets, which by the way, that's where we started. <laughs> um, but really moving it into what are the ways of working and what systems and processes do you do you need to put in place to support that? Okay. Uh, what do you feel like is the, the best CRM for what y'all have done? Or did you develop oh, your own? There's loads of good ones out there, but we actually ended up going with a CRM called Freshworks. And uh, and the reason why we went with Freshworks, we, we could do a whole nother call on CRMs, Mason. I've got lots of stuff to share there. But the reason why we went with Freshworks is it really enabled us to customize the CRM pipeline management in the way that we wanted to. A lot of the other ones out there, and there are some great ones out there. Um, I'm a big fan of, uh, of, um, of Pebble. I think Pebble's got a great product. Um, but we needed a product for our business to really look at how we automated things like task management, KPIs, um, email automation, having everything integrated into the one system with our call system so that that's not separate, our SMS system, our email system, everything needed to be all in one and that needed to seamlessly integrate into the ways of working for our team. So when they need to do tasks, how we report on those tasks and how we manage the workflow of the actual resources in our team. The only one that we could find uh, was Freshworks that enabled us to do that and uh, and we are super happy with it. Okay, got it. But um, back to the 30, 30 minute call you do every day, I think that's something that I might be missing too. I, I guess your workers are working like an eight hour shift each day. Is that right? Yep, they are. They're, so they're based in the Philippines. So they're working uh, our East Coast time in the US. So they're working from like midnight till uh, 9 a.m. by the time they have their break in there as well. Um, and we have a call with them. So I'm up pretty early every morning, Mason. I get up at about five and uh, and start work so that I can maximize my US time. Um, but 7 a.m. every morning, my time, I'm on a call with my team. How is your day, guys? What's going on? What needs escalating? What are the key decisions that you couldn't make? Why? Um, how do we run through that together? So it's not a, a BAU call, like business as usual stuff, because I trust them that they know the BAU stuff and they just get on with it. And we manage that by reporting. So all of the reports that we get emailed out to the team every day show exactly what's due, what's overdue, all of that. So we don't need to talk about that stuff. But on the call, what we do talk about is, are there any sellers that you're having trouble with that you need some direction on? Are there buyers that are making offers that you've negotiated to a certain point, but you now need me to make a decision? Are there sellers that have come through with some problems on their property that you've already done your research and you've gotten to the point that you need my view on it? So we set our team up for success to get it to a certain point so that they're not just coming to us with a problem. They're coming to us and saying, I've done all these things. Here's what I found. I'm now at the point that I can't make any more decisions because, you know, they don't have the same knowledge that we do because they're not in the business as much as what we are. Um, and they just come to us with that. And we use that as a learning opportunity on every call where we'll, we'll screen share and say, okay, guys, let's go through this deal together. Um, what's the information telling us? What are the comps telling us? What's, uh, where do we go to research this? And we'll do it together so that we're always, you know, uplifting their capability on every call. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, one obstacle I've had is that my VAs are 
running like just part-time four hour shifts. And so if I have a half hour call, that's like a significant percentage of their total shift for that day. And honestly, four hours just blows by like one of them. So quick. <laughs> yeah. She calls like from 8am to 12pm central time. And usually it's like, I'm starting my day. And then by the time I'm like really making progress in the day, she's like, all right, my shift is done. And she's out. And I'm like, wait, wait, I just wanted to see how what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> don't have so time to ask. Can I make a suggestion for you, Mason, and for anyone else listening that, that might be wondering, you know, the whole thing about managing resources. And just by the way, so my background before we got into uh, our land business and our US business, I had like 17 years in management, um, leadership, uh, human resources, recruitment, training. Um, that That's my background. So leading teams and setting up teams is is kind of something that I'm pretty passionate about. So I think it would be worth your while to add half an hour to each of their shifts and make them 4.5 hours and have a combined half an hour session where you're actually crossing over. So you've got 30 minutes where both of them are on a call with you together and you can almost do that as a handover. Say, hey, here's what I got done on my shift. Here's some sellers that I still wasn't able to get hold of. Person B, can you take that task and make sure you try on your shift? So I think, you know, really thinking about what that cost is to you because for me, paying an extra half an hour so that you've got visibility of exactly what they're doing, what needs escalating and creating a team environment where they really get to work together and own stuff and really feel like they're part of something. Um, That's the kind of stuff that lets people stick around. So we've had our team with us for over two years and they're like family. Um, And it's because they feel part of something and they feel like they've got ownership in something as well. So that extra half an hour that you might pay for would probably pay you back dividends in you being able to see what's going on, hear what's going on and, you know, provide them in the moment feedback on stuff too. Okay. I'll, I'll send you my bill later for that consulting, Mason. But <laughs> All right. I'll make the check to Australia. It might take a while to get there. <laughs> but my, my wife's actually from Hong Kong and it, it takes like forever for anything to get to her family over there. Oh, I can <laughs> imagine. It, we'll, we'll get notifications of things and it's like, well, it went to Japan and then to Hong Kong, but then it went back to New Jersey and then it went, and it's like, why are you going all the way it's around? The- going the long way around the world. Yep. <laughs> we'll it's got to go around a few times and then they'll decide, all right, we'll go delivery. <laughs> oh. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And another thing I was thinking was, um, well, initially the reason I was running them at four hour shifts is that I, I wanted to kind of start out in first gear and then do full throttle once I'm sure I have the right systems in place. But yeah. Um, so eventually like have them all on eight hour shifts or just, I guess, not use so many of them and then just have one person on eight hour shift versus two or three. So. Yep. I think two is optimum if you really want to go big in the business. Um, because if one of them's sick, the other one can back up. One of them goes on leave. The other one can back up. If one of them decides to leave the organization, you've still got continuation of, of, you know, somebody at least doing stuff while you're recruiting another one. So having that, that risk management in place, I think is, is smart. Okay. But I think another thing to be aware of is that at least what I'm afraid of is having one person wear too many hats and being stretched too thin. So they're not really making an impact anywhere. So how do you kind of delegate across your four BAs? Yeah. Uh, so we delegate per deal. So all of our uh, our customer service team, I always want to keep calling them that because that, that's what they are. So uh, we delegate per deal. So all of them actually know how to do everything in our business. 
They all know how to run comps. They all know how to do seller calls and negotiation calls. They all know how to set up an ad, do due diligence, um, post ads for us, manage buyer calls, get contracts ready for both buyers and sellers. They all know how to do all of it. And the way that we've set up our CRM is that they end up owning deals. So they they run point on a particular deal so that uh, if anything happens with that deal, kind of, you know, sits with them. But if it's not their day on, because our team actually covers seven days, we have seven days coverage because we find that on the weekend, sometimes we have more success at getting hold of people on a weekend. Um, so, uh, so that means that, you know, the team can all collaborate on that deal together, but there's one person that owns it. And so the way that the system is set up, Mason, is that as long as there's a spread across the workload with how many deals they're all working on, it's fine because the same amount of effort goes into each deal, whether you're dealing with the buyer or the seller. So um, so that's the way we run it. And that also means that we've got contingency plans in place. If someone's away or if someone's sick and they're partway through posting an ad and they can't do it, one of the other team can go in and pick up their task because they know how to do it and finish it. So it means that we don't have that lag in the business as well. Okay, got it. Yeah, that's really helpful because I have like one person that's dedicated solely to cold calling, but I think it would be so much helpful if, if all of them were able to do everything else. So definitely we'll give that a try. And, and it also, if I can add to it, it also gives them a sense of pride and ownership because they feel like they're building skills. They feel like they're growing in the business as well. So, you know, you, you've got to think about their job satisfaction too and what they can get involved with. And it makes it a much better team environment when they're all in it together. Yeah. 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 In my situation, and it, Still in the early stages, so can't beat up on myself too much here. But <laughs> um, <laughs> you're where we started, Mason. So don't yeah. yeah, don't beat up on yourself about anything. But you know, if you take anything out of today, it's uh, it's start to maybe think ahead with what does it look like for you in six months' time, and how do you put that plan in place now to really drive your decisions with how you recruit the team, how you train them, how you cross collaborate on tasks. How do you put those things in place now? So then in six months time, that's really humming for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was just going to say like, I reflecting on my team structure right now, I just kind of like mentioned, oh yeah, um, you know, Daisy's the one who does calls and uh, Victor over here is kind of like our translator doing calls and a mix of other stuff, but they've never really met each other. So it's, I think it's hard for them to really understand what the, yeah. what's going on. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I call it the Velcro factor. It's like, you know, Velcro, once you sort of come together, it makes it hard to pull it apart. Um, so you want to have that Velcro factor within your teams that they feel connected and they feel like they've got a touch point there somewhere. Okay. Got it. And another thing I was thinking too, is that for, for people making calls and like bringing in contracts to, to build up some incentives. So first thing, it was two things, the quota and incentives. So like if we actually close on that deal, pay them, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars or something like that. Yep, we do. Okay. Definitely, definitely. We've got a bonus plan in place that uh, ensures that they have some skin in the game with when we, we close. Uh, and that ensures that they, you know, they need to meet some certain KPIs in order to qualify for bonuses. But it also means that they get to share in the, the rewards as well because, you know, their, their hourly rate's not overly awesome, but what we pay them in bonuses is is life-changing for them. And we want to make it life-changing because, again, that Velcro factor, you want them to, to feel like they're part of something so it's hard to pull away. Um, so we definitely have a bonus plan in place and it's only after the deal is closed and paid and funded um, that they get rewarded. 
Okay. But do you pull those or is it, since you delegate based on each deal, is it just like you eat no, kind of so to kill? They, they all get rewarded for every deal because here's the thing, they work as a team. So even though someone might be taking point on the deal, there might be other people doing tasks to make sure that that deal got over the line. Um, so they all are, they all share in stuff together. It's not that deal closed, you get that. It's no, that deal closed, each of you get this. So, uh, so they all share together and that creates that, uh, that feeling of collaboration on stuff too. Okay. And so is it based on a percentage of total profit? It's, it's based, yeah. So we have a, a profit range and based upon the profit range of each property, there's a certain amount that they get paid um, per that and uh, fully transparent with them around it. And uh, they all look forward to the beginning of each month because we pay it monthly. So once that month is closed, the, within that next week, they get their bonuses paid. And, and let me tell you, they're pretty happy on those days. <laughs> yeah, I bet because it can be several weeks of hourly pay. And it is. It months. literally is. You know, that there's been some months where their bonuses have exceeded what their, their average pay has been. And, you know, when you can see that that changes their family um, and the things that they've been able to do for their children, for their family, for their well-being, it's life-changing for them. So we absolutely love paying bonuses to them. Okay. Can you give us an idea of like some percentages of total profit? Or is that super confidential? <laughs> yeah, I'll keep that to myself if that's okay. But basically, um, as I said, we've got price ranges. So let's just say that there's a property between five and ten thousand dollars that's sold, ten to twenty, twenty to thirty, thirty to fifty, fifty to a hundred, then hundred and above. There's a certain amount that they each get paid for that. Um, and let's just say that it's more than a day's wage um, at that starting point. Up to the highest point, it's worth a couple of days' wage for them um, to uh, to get that higher amount too. So you know you've got to look at it to make it really meaningful for them. Um, paying them pittance doesn't work, and to me that's a bit of an insult to them too. So <laughs> so making sure it's meaningful and it's life changing is is the key there. Okay, got it. So um, earlier you mentioned the kind of wanting to scale your business to 10 deals per month and then more. So what are you kind of averaging right now? Like on a yeah, monthly and yearly basis? We're averaging. So on a monthly basis, we're averaging about, uh, uh, we average about 50 to 50 to 50 to 55 deals in our pipeline that we're actively always negotiating. And, uh, and on average, we end up working about 20 to 25 deals a month. Um, and uh, so, um, you know, I would say 90% of those get to closing, which is great. So, We've got a pretty busy business going on at the moment and um, and we notice, you know, what we put in place for our business as well, Mason, this is going back about 18 months ago, one of the things that we wanted to really focus on was consistency. And that's one of the biggest things that I see as a gap in this business, particularly with land wholesalers as well, is they'll spend so much time and energy. You know, you and I spoke before we, we started the recording for this call on the, the mailers that you'd been sending out to certain areas. So we spend so much time and energy on getting our data and getting our mailings and getting that sent that as soon as we get a few contracts back, particularly for people who don't have teams in place as well, then all of our energy is expended on getting rid of that contract and, you know, getting the profit on the deal so we can go back and do that again. But whilst we're over here trying to get rid of the deal and, and getting the profit, our pipeline's got nothing going on. And we turn back around and there's nothing there. So about 18 months ago, one of the game changers for, for us was to put in place a system that always ensured our pipeline was going, even while we were sleeping. Mail is going every week, ads are running to sellers all the time. 
Um, we've got deal flow happening all the time. So we put that in place for us just to be purely selfish because we wanted to have a system and a process that worked. Um, and that's now led to one of our, our businesses called Supercharged Offers. Um, and we now put uh, acquisition engines, I call them marketing acquisition engines, uh, based upon our six Ds principle, which I can go into. Um, we put that in place for other people that are doing real estate investing because that's the one thing that I think takes up a lot of time. And if you can outsource that to automate it, you can get on with closing more deals. Um, and we're doing that for a lot of our customers, which we're loving. Okay. Yeah, I did want to get into that next. Um, kind of the way I've been doing it, I feel like mailers are the lifeblood of my business. So I can't take that out. So I'll send those out and then I'll start doing some SMS campaigns and maybe ringless voicemails and cold calls and stuff. But what do you feel like has been like the best uh, sequence of events? Because I've also heard this conveyor belt where people do the opposite. They'll do like SMS or ringless voicemail, maybe some cold calls, and then they'll send mailers to anyone who doesn't respond. So what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's a combination because um, when, when you really peel it back, it's all about relationships. Somebody will do a deal with you if, if you the right message at the right time from the right person and to the right person. So you need to kind of, when I say it's all about relationship, what I mean by that is we've got to make sure that we're enhancing the customer experience. So our customers at the end of the day are sellers and buyers, but let's just focus on our sellers. So if our sellers are customer numero uno, we need them in order to get deals, right? So with our sellers, we are dealing now with an entire demographic of anybody from, you know, our, our youngest seller has been someone who's 19. Our oldest seller has been someone in their 90s and all of the spectrum of in between that. Now, if you think about how those sellers do business, some of them want a letter. Some of them will respond to an SMS. Some of them will respond to a call. Some of them will see an ad online and click through and ask for an offer. So the customer experience needs to be set up so that your customers, your sellers, can deal with you in any way that they want to, not how we want to, because I think that's the difference in, in business, right? So what you described before is someone that, you know, you said that there's the reverse where people might send an SMS, do a ringless voice, and then for those that respond, um, they'll send out an offer. But what if you're sending those SMSs and ringless voices out to people that that's not how they want to do business with you? then you're having, you've got a missed opportunity. So what we've done is really looked at the customer experience and said, well, we need to do business in a way that makes it super easy for our customers to do business with us in a way that they want. Not how we want, because it's actually not about us, but it should be in a way that they want. So what we do, Mason, is um, we do our marketing on three monthly cycles. So once every three months, we do all of our data for our, our next three months of, uh, of marketing. We do get all of our mailers ready and we do blind offers for our business. So we do all of our calculations up front and we schedule 12 weeks of mailings. And we do a couple of thousand a week that we drop. Um, and as those mailers are going out, the, there's two other things that are happening. For someone who's receiving a piece of mail from us, they're getting ads online, both Google and Facebook ads. So we social match all of the people that we mail to. We find out where they live in an online world and we put ads in front of them. So we're looking at brand recognition. So as our letter's going out, and if they get 10 offers that month, but they look at ours and go, I think I've seen these guys somewhere before, then that makes a difference. And uh, so we're doing ads online, but equally we're also, when those offers are landing, once the offer has landed, because we're tracking all of our mail and we can see when an offer has been delivered, 
Then we're doing a quick SMS or ringless voice and saying, hey, we see that you got our offer this week. We're really keen to talk to you. Even if you don't want to sell, just give us a call and tell us what your plans are for your property. So we're starting the relationship with them at as many points as we can. And we've had a number of sellers that have come back to us, you know, months and months and months later because they keep seeing our ads online and they got that letter six months ago, but they keep seeing us and they're like, maybe I'll give these guys a call. So you really need to think about your marketing from the perspective of how people want to deal with you, not how you want to run your marketing. Okay. And it's funny you mentioned that I've, if I bought a Facebook ad course and worked with some other agency to run Facebook ads for me to try to find sellers. And a lot of them, it's like, Mason buys land or um, Mason buys houses, but are you actually running just using your company name? We are. So so Landscouts is our um, our land business. Uh, And here's the difference. So running ads to no one. And what I mean by that is you can run an ad and put an ad out there and try and get your demographic and your keywords and your custom audience, et cetera, et cetera. First of all, in order to do ads on, um, on Google for custom audiences, you need you know, quite a few tens of thousands of leads in there to build a custom audience. But what we're doing is we're not kind of, we're not putting ads out into the ether to anybody. We're only targeting ads to people on the list. So if we're mailing out 15,000 mailers, we are pushing ads out to 15,000 people because we're social matching them. So we're using all of their information to find out where do they live in an online world? And we're actually pushing ads direct to them. So I think that's the difference because a lot of people go, well, you know, pushing ads out to try and get sellers. And we do that too. Like, you know, we've got ads running. Um, But you find that not too many people will interact with your ad unless they're they're meant to in some certain way. Um, So that's about how we, we get that ad in front of the right people at the right time, at the same time that we're sending them a mailer so that we're trying to, you know, really get that brand recognition happening. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm definitely going to shut down my Facebook ads right right now. Because- <laughs> <laughs> Don't shut them down, but make another call with me and I'll walk you through what we do and how we do it. Um, actually, I'll hook you up with our sales manager who's based in New York. So she, uh, uh, Joey, who's been with, with us now for over a year. So she's uh, our sales manager for Supercharged Offers. And she can take you through how everything works. And, and the whole thing, Mason, as well with marketing is, you know, we talked before about there being a, a decent amount of people in this business now. And I said, you know, there's still enough deals out there for everyone. What you want to be doing is doing all the things that your competition isn't doing. So how do you stand out from everyone who's just sending mailers? How do you stand out from people that are doing SMS and then trying to respond to that? Um, and, and the way to do it is one, consistency, but two, doing it all. Because at, at the end of the day, you've got a seller on the end of the line or the end of the computer or the end of an SMS or the end of an email that will want to do business with you in a way that they choose. And you need to create the mechanisms for them to be able to do that. Okay, got it. Yeah, it's just been a frustrating process um, because we're running ads trying to find sellers. Most people just say, they, they see like this, the, the, the copy there and it's like buy land oh yeah, I want to buy land. And so I just really attract buyers and, and they, they have these unrealistic expectations. It's, it's very annoying. Like the guy yesterday yeah. was like, I was like, all right, yeah, we sell land too. So what's your you know criteria? What's your budget? How much, how many acres you're looking for? Where are you looking to buy? And he's like, I want to buy in Texas 
40 acres for $20,000. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, that's $500 an acre. And so what you have to do is get a time machine first and go back yeah. a couple hundred years. <laughs> right? That's never going to happen anywhere in the country. <laughs> just, oh, I had some land yeah. a while ago in Arkansas that would have been in that criteria. But, um, but you know, it's, it's also, so just to come back to your ad there. So your ads are obviously attracting people to it, but it's the wrong message. So, you know, right message, right person, right time, right market. Um, that really comes back to what is it that you're putting out there that's of value to your target market. And one of the things that we've got really good at, Mason, is our sales pages, our ads, our offers, that the things that we're doing for, for our sellers are things that are of value for them. Um, so we, we don't just have a standard sales page for, for our sell.landscouts.com. We don't have a standard sales page where everyone's like, you know, get your cash offer now because that's what everyone else is doing. So you need to speak to the language of your seller and speak to what it is that you can offer them that they go, I need to speak with these people. Uh, and same with your buyers. You know, what's the language of your buyers and do your ads, your pages and everything say that? So when we build out a supercharged offers campaign for people, we do all of that for them. We actually build out their entire marketing engine, all their sales pages, all their ads, all their content, all their design, all of their freebies and offers that they're doing for their customers. We do all of that um, because we've got an entire marketing team sitting behind us that, uh, that does that. And what our customers notice is just a difference in the type of people that are now finding them, which is great. Okay. Well, what if I don't use Freshworks CRM? Are you pushing your clients to use that so that they can integrate with all no. the marketing? <laughs> no. So the, the CRM has got really nothing to do with it, um, but, but we can definitely, I, I will give you the CRM link to, to put on the podcast for anyone who's interested in looking at Freshworks because it's well worth exploring. Um, we've actually also integrated Freshworks for some of our customers that have seen what we are doing and said, can you do that for us? And we're like, yeah, we can, because luckily enough, my, my partner, Matthew, has got a background in IT uh, transition, transformation and automation. So for him to put systems in place for people is magic. He does some pretty cool stuff. But that aside, um, the, the marketing system itself doesn't integrate into a CRM like, like most people would think it would. You can set up an email so all of your leads come through to your CRM. Um, and that's about as much as what you need to do. And all of the, the people that we mail to, so when we set up a supercharged offers campaign, we give you all of the data in a format that you can easily upload it to your CRM. And that's pretty much all that people need to do because when the phone rings, you should be dealing with them in your CRM anyway, not in a Google sheet, not, else, not elsewhere. Um, so that's the way that we set it all up for people. And we, we like to make it as easy as possible, but also as flexible as possible so that they can manage that in whatever system they're using. Okay, got it. Yeah, I found that I'll do like some realist voicemails, for example, and it might be the 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 phone number that we skip traced is like the daughter, the seller's daughter, and then so the the right number will call me back, but then that creates a new record that's a blank record that doesn't sync with the property information. So that's a very annoying pet peeve that I have. Yeah, <laughs> so it's actually, yeah, has an exponential you know result in the number of records in the database. So. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that. I don't know if there's any systems out there that would marry those two things up because in the real world, that looks like two separate people, right? Um, so, uh, you know, but there's probably some smarts that you can put in place around that. Um, there's always systems out there that do some pretty incredible things. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Um, so in terms of like working with supercharged offers, is there, it's like a monthly retainer fee or how's it work? 
So we run campaigns, as I mentioned, every three months. Um, so there's no retainer people and there's no contract. So people actually pay for their, their first campaign for the three months, which includes everything that we build for you. So as I said, we build out your sales pages, your thank you pages, your Calendly integration. So people can book time. We do all of your data. We arrange all of your mailings. We get your ads up. We get your ads running. We revamp your Facebook page. We do all of those things and we do the three months of mailing. Most people then renew and at renewal time, you're not having to pay for all the build and design of all of the marketing assets. So at renewal time, we just do another three months of, uh, of data and mailings for people and that the engine just keeps on going. So majority of our customers have been with us now long-term because they, they see the value in what we do and the time that we're saving them, uh, which I think is the biggest thing, the time that we're saving them on doing their data, getting their data cleansing done, you know, making sure that they've got good uh, ETL processes with their data, which is extract, transform and load, um, technical term for all the checks that get put in place with data, uh, making sure that their mailers are always happening and, and tracking that and monitoring that. You know, we do all of that for them. So I think the the main thing is that people see the value in in the time. Um, a lot of people out there have got a, a full-time resource that does a lot of that stuff for them. And we're like, you don't need the resource or put the resource on the phone and get them doing sales. Because if all of this stuff is done for you, focus your resources elsewhere. Focus on the stuff that brings you value. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Because you could have someone just focusing on the mailers and running the ads and all other stuff. So yeah. Yeah. If you could just... I time is money, as we say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's always the thing. It's like, well, could I pay supercharged offers the same or less to do all that work and then just have that person doing a higher value add activity? So, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, my answer to that is always yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to connect after the, the show and learn more about it. Um, I saw on your website that you could also, your clients can finance payments out using credit? They can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we've got a credit partner with uh, with our marketing platform. Um, and I think that's really critical because one of the things in this business, Mason, as you will know, is, is managing cash flow. And for some people, they have great months and then other times it's not so great. So we've got a business partner with Credit Key where all of our supercharged office customers can actually get from as little as 1%. Uh, they can actually have their marketing funded and paid for as part of their business. And for me, that's a great way to manage cash flow and a great way to always set up and, you know, use other people's money to make sure that your marketing engine never stops. Um, and uh, so for anybody who wants to inquire about that, I'll put the link on the site um, on, for, for you to put, uh, put there for everyone because it's a great option for people to explore. Okay, great. Yeah, it's definitely very interesting. I think that is key because you might sell two or three properties in a day and then don't sell any for two or three weeks, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And just to add there, it's business to business credit. So it's not about you personally, it's, it's credit for your business. Um, so as long as you've got a business set up, that business has been going for more than 12 months and you've had at least $40,000 come through that business, you're good to go. Okay, that's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, one of my more recent guests is Stephen Weibel, who, who spoke about business credit and building it and all that. So interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's all related. And I'm it glad is. I had him on so that people could learn <laughs> about that because it's like a kind of like this, I don't know, a black box, like a gray space because people know about personal credit and FICO scores, but it, there's not really so much emphasis on building business credit. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to know because there's actually loads of things that you can do 
to help grow your business using credit as a really efficient way of doing that. Um, so, yeah, I, I might send me Stephen's uh, Stephen's link. I'll, I'll have a listen to that myself. <laughs> yeah, sure. Will do. Um, yeah, I could forget the episode number and all that, but yeah, I will send that over to you. Um, I'm just looking through my notes here on other questions I wanted to draw you on, <laughs> but I'm running <laughs> out. Um, oh, one thing I was wondering though, I, so I use trust and I, I try to, I'll do like different trust for each transaction and you know, it requires a lot of notarizing signatures and stuff. And I'll use a, a trustee that's not myself to sign stuff for me sometimes, but do you have like people that sign notarize stuff for you in Florida? Yeah, we, we do. Yeah. So, so we use, um, where, where we need to, we use a corporate resolution to allocate ownership to our realtor to sign things for us. Um, cause he's been a pivotal part of our team for four years. So, um, we do have a title company that does most closings for us. Um, and when we need a wet signature on something, most of, you know, there's a lot of things now that we can sign electronically, which is great. But when we do need a wet signature and something notarized, we actually use a corporate resolution to get one of our team members to do that for us. Um, and that's been a super useful tool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The, the last thing I was wondering was um, if you had any experience with these online notaries, have you ever used those? Yeah, uh, we have. But here's the, the catch-22 for us. There's only a certain amount of things that we can do online because we are classed, being here in Australia, even though we've got a business and a corporation in the States, uh, we're classed as aliens because we don't have a social security number. And a lot of those um, services require you to have an SSN for validation. Um, I wish those, uh, there's, there's certain things in the States that I wish would change. And one of them, I think, is to recognize international investors a bit more readily because we do have an ITIN, which is a individual tax identification number. And that's the same as a social security number. It's just for internationals. And uh, to have more people use that would be super helpful. There's my plug. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's very interesting because I feel like uh, being an American citizen and probably other folks to listen and they're not really aware of that. Um, like, I, I know like once you get a green card, you can get a social security card and all that, but just getting a green card itself is like a, an extremely long process and difficult, yep. <laughs> especially depending on which country you're applying from. So, yeah, I think, I think Australia is favorable on that front and there's certainly a lot of different types of visas. We were, uh, just over a year ago, we were in the process of moving to the States and then COVID hit um, because normally we spend about half of our year in the States, but uh, and we don't need to. We've just got lots of friends and networks over there that we love to come over and hang out with and do business with. But, um, you know, thanks to COVID, we've been stuck here in Australia now for coming on 18 months and we can't wait to get back. But, uh, yeah, the world needs to open up first and then we'll get on a plane. <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah, the last thought I have on that is I heard about Chinese investors like purchasing, if you could purchase like a half million dollar property or something that kind of like allows them to buy a green card to go check on their investment. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's just a, a last thought on the. <laughs> I, I'm not, but yeah, uh, okay. yeah I, I tend to try and not get caught up in stuff like that because it, it distracts me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's a whole other rabbit hole. We shouldn't go down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll save that for a different episode. Yes. Yeah. All right. Great. So, um, I know you mentioned that you're going to include a bunch of things for me to drop in the show notes, but if our listeners want to get in touch with you to learn more about supercharged offers or anything else, do you want to 
leave an email or anything else here? On yeah, yeah, show? absolutely, Mason. They can drop me an email direct at uh, Alicia, which is A-L-I-C-I-A, because no one ever gets that right, Alicia at superchargedoffers.com, or they can give my team a call on 888-538-5478. They can just jump on to superchargedoffers.com. We've got some free resources on there, such as business planning tools and eBooks. Um, that they can go and have a look at. The business planning tool, which is actually called our No More Excuses Business Growth Plan, because I hear that many people that don't have a strategy and filled with lots of excuses. <laughs> our No More Excuses Business Growth Plan is actually specific to real estate investors. So if they want to jump on and download that, it's a really great free resource um, to enable people to really kind of sit back and think about their business growth and, and what their, their strategy needs to be and reverse engineer that. Okay, great. That sounds... Perfect. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this episode. I You're welcome, Mason. Personally gained a lot. I hope a lot of other people did as well. So thanks. no problems. Thanks for having me on. Sure. All right. That's another episode of Scalable Real Estate Investing. Thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe on whatever channel you're using to listen or watch these episodes. And also be sure to go to scalablerealestateinvesting.com, scroll to the bottom and fill out the form to sign up for our email. And you could also reach me directly at mason at scalablerealestateinvesting.com. That's M-A-S-O-N at scalablerealestateinvesting.com. If you'd like to get in touch with me to either partner on deals or even be considered to do your own episode on this podcast. Thanks again and have a great day.